0: All right. I, um, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Uh, I was just thinking about you this week as a church family, and um, it's such a fun place for me to come and uh, just, man, hang out with my family because we're all in this boat together, and we're, you know, some of you are like in the lifeboat behind. Some of you are still in the water, and then we're like throwing you the life thing, and you're going, I'm not sure yet. And I'm like, dude, you're going to die. Grab Jesus. Like, you're going to drown. Like, it's going to sink, right? This world we're in is sinking. It's going to end as we know it. And, uh, and what I think is happening you know, looking across the country and seeing revivals take place. I think what it is, I think our young people today are sick of lies, I think they're sick of, of the world feeding the stuff that they can't believe, and they're looking for truth. There's something in us that wants the truth, right? We want to know what the truth is, and the truth is found in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, the world says that, that you know, money, sex, fame is, you know, is, is what you need, but the more famous you get, the more money you get, the emptier you become, and I think our young people see through that, They through, see through the facade, and so um, I'm excited to see what God is doing and so anyhow, I do. I need to ask you a question. Will you allow me to teach you today? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm not in the mood to preach. I might get a little preachy, but I, I, as I was preparing this last week for this Sunday, I was praying like, God, what do we need to hear? Because uh, that's something that is really important to me. I don't want to just get up there and tell you what I think and uh, show you how smart I'm not. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I want because the Holy Spirit knows the heartbeat of our church family specifically. And so in my prayer time, I was actually gonna continue on from where we were last week. Um, and I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to preach on this particular passage of scripture um, in this particular story. And as I begin to, to write, it was like gold panning. The more I shook, the more I found. And I was like, there's no way I'm gonna get through this in one Sunday. Now, do you want a, a, a normal church service or do you want two hours long of me monologuing or should we just finish next week? Okay, that's my vote is finish next week because I don't want to talk for two hours. Uh, and so I, I, it's, more, it's a different, little bit of a different feel today. And, uh, and it's titled warning signs uh, number three is, is, is my third uh, message in this series. Um, and this is, I put this part one of part two. Uh, signs I don't like. I don't like detour ahead. Anybody like that sign? Like you're driving and you get the detour ahead sign. I wanna tell you a story that if you've been here for very long, you've probably heard this story before. Uh, Most of you probably have not heard this story. And it happened when I was in high school. Uh, we, we, Most of you know I grew up um, in a little logging town called Orleans, California, on the Klamath River. We were inland of Crescent City, so we were up by the Oregon border, and I went to a boarding Christian school in Oregon. Uh, it was about a, a three-hour drive if you could take uh, what was called Grayback. It was a mountain range that if the weather was fine, you could drive over, and it was about a three-hour drive. And so uh, my senior in high school, my, me and my buddies, decided to go home back to Orleans for the weekend, and, and so we were concerned. That gray Back would be closed. We didn't know for sure. So we called and we didn't get any information. So we thought, well, we'll just take a shot because, you know, the weather seems to be nice. And, and so we left and, uh, and we're, we're driving and, and the snow's coming up a little bit, but the roads are just beautiful, dry, sunny day. And we're driving up through the mountains, see no signs whatsoever. And, and we come to the Oregon, California border yeah. <laughs> and some crazy person, because uh, I can't say the word idiot in church, um, that ran the snow plow decided to just pile the snow on the border. And we were like, what the heck? I mean, beautiful day. So we crawled up on the snow, and the other side was perfectly clear and dry too. So you have two drivers, California side Oregon side, that decided it's not my job to pile the snow right in the middle of the road. And so we were in a dilemma. We had a shovel, but we were like, "This will take us forever to dig through. And so we decided to, to take the long way, um, you know, because you never start out to take the long way. And we went through Crescent City. It took us eight hours to get home. So a three-hour trip turned into an eight-hour thing. And it was on this particular trip that I got my one and only speeding ticket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep, give me a ticket. We're going 10 over. And he said, he said, I was pacing you. I was like, how did you know how I, because it was Windy roads. I said, how did you, he said, because you were pulling away from me. And I'm like, in my brain, smart I'll extend was going, if you knew how fast I was going, that means you had to be going the same speed I was. So how does that work? But you don't want to, you know, argue with it. I had organ plates on my truck and it was in California. And so anyway, got home and then they, they said, well, you have an option of going to aggressive driving school to get the ticket wiped off your record. So I did go to aggressive driving school and apparently it hasn't done a whole lot for me um, all these years, but I did get the ticket off my record. What I don't like is when we run into roadblocks that you have no warning for, and that seems to be life. Life doesn't tell you detour ahead. Life doesn't tell you roadblock ahead. Typically when you hit the roadblock, in my case, this a giant pile of snow, it's out of the blue. It's out of, like, you just didn't see it coming. And, and so in my prayer time, I was just asking Jesus, Lord, what do we need to hear this week? And this is what I felt was we, we need a teaching on uh, basically the detour is not the destination. I'm telling you, sorry if you're doing the slides, I got ahead of myself a little bit. But the detour is not the destination. And what I felt to tell you was that you need to keep going because you're going to make it. You're gonna make it, you're gonna get through. And so with today's lesson, I wanna show you a story about the Apostle Paul who had a destination. In other words, he had the plans and, and he knew where he was supposed to end up, but what he didn't know was all the details in between. See, what I like to do is I like to look at the, the front page, which is called the elevation, and it shows you, like on the back screen there, it shows you what our building is gonna look like. And that thing is scrolling as I preach it, I look at it and it gives me some hope that this week they said they're going to try to start the foundation of that building. I said I live by faith, not by sight, because so far we've been saying this. Now I, okay, we're looking at the weather, but, but they're wanting to start this week. All right, so something that we have looked for forward for years. All right, things that have been on the plans for quite a while. The plans are just plans, and the plans never go according to plan. Like there's a lot of stuff, it's going to do that to me. You ever put something up on a stuff and you watch it and it's like stays there until you turn? Yep. <laughs> it's like Murphy's Law. I think there's little demons that have charge of that. Um, but I was waiting for it to roll off. But the plans are just the plans. We, we see the beginning and we see the very end, but we really don't like the in between. And so if you're in a place today that you know in your heart, like, yes, God has a plan for my life. I know that. In my brain, I know that. But my heart feels like so far away right now from the plan. It's not like I'm you know, actively out sinning necessarily, but it's just like, God, I, I just want it to be easy. Like, I, I, want, I just want the plan to come about. And we have to understand that there's a process. And so, the, again, the problem we face in real life is most of the time we hit a detour. We don't see it coming. We don't know what's coming. In real life, at least they warn you, right? And there's a road closed date. We talk about that frustration. Uh, The date is always right. The start date is always right. Road closed, you know, November 12th. We know that it's it's the second day that they lie about, (laughs) right? Because it's never on time. I've never seen that happen. But the famous philosopher, Scott Hendricks said last uh, time he spoke, uh, with a detour, there's still a way to your destination. And I thought, man, they're so true, right? With a detour, you're still going to get to your destination. It's just going to take you a little bit longer, all right? So that's my title. The detour is not the destination. So I want to set a perspective here. So listen closely. If you will look back on your life, think about the good things that have happened and how you got there. And I bet you will see things that you went through that you didn't like. But now that you're through it, you see the purpose in it. You see the purpose in it. You didn't like it at the time, but if you look back and you think, wow, if that wouldn't have happened, then this wouldn't have happened. If that wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't have met you know, maybe my current spouse. If this, if this, if this wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have bore these amazing children that are sitting here in church attentively on their you know, pen and paper, just listening to every word of Pastor Stan and Pastor Stevie when they speak, just seeking up and, and soaking the word of God. But I will tell you this, teenagers, you are listening to what we say. I know that. You might pretend like you're not. You might be scrolling through something. But I know that your brain is picking up things that you need to hear. Can I get an amen? amen. That's really true. But if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have the blessed life I have today. I wouldn't have salvation. Some of you got saved as a result of your plans being destroyed by God. And he, there was a detour. You know, I, we have people in our church family that got saved out of addiction, saved in prison. Like, like prison was like, no, I don't want to go to prison. But that was the place that God got your attention. And so so don't despise those things. Don't despise those things that happen in our lives. Here's what I heard this week in my prayer time. Often looking back at what you endured gives you the strength to go forward. To to look back and go, you know what? I made it through that. Why wouldn't I make it through this thing? Because you will see that you made it through that thing, you didn't think you were going to make it through. You didn't think, you thought there is no hope that I'm gonna make it through this. I I had a a, a snowmobile story that broke down uh, when I was going up to my parents' ranch, this was years ago, and I started out on a snowmobile and it died and it died and it died and it died. I mean, it was done. And so I I had some snowshoes and I thought, well, I'll walk up there, it's about a mile and a half, so I'm walking up and snowshoes were sticking and I thought, this isn't working. And, and so I took them off, and I started trudging up there because I'm just hard-headed. I should, I should have just stopped and turned around and drove home. But doggone it, I'm going to get up there. So I kept walking and walking, and the sun was starting to go down. The snow was getting deeper, and I was up to my waist. So it was about probably 18 inches of, uh, of snow. <laughs> probably pretty close. Cool. I'm probably being real. Uh, and I'm walking, and it's wet, heavy snow, and the sun's going down. And I start thinking, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And legit, I kid you not, I started writing the time in the snow where I was at before the wolf pack was going to come and eat me. I, I, as soon as I was thinking about these things, and, and I'm trudging, I'm trudging, I'm asking myself, why did I even do this? Why am I so stubborn that I just kept going because I'm going to make it, I'm going to get the back road, I'm going to clean the road out. Why didn't I just turn around and leave like a wise person would have done? Well, sometimes our own stubbornness can get us in trouble. But I legit, Pastor Stevie, thought, if, if a wolf pack comes... Like, I cannot move. I am going to die. And I think I had my pistol. I had how many bullets I had. And I knew, okay, I could kill this many, you know, on average. And I was thinking death. And finally, I made it up there. And, and then I got the backhoe. I came down. I got the backhoe stuck. And I dug myself out. When I dug myself out, I cut the phone line. That was fun. Um, and, that was legit. and it was legit. Like, and it was like, I should not have even kept going. But there's something in me that has this determination. And my point with that is, is there's, a, there's a time when you need to know when to let go. There is a time to know. I, I could be stubborn here, but this probably doesn't end well there's a stubbornness that we have that's good and there's a stubbornness that we have is bad. And I would say the, the good stubbornness would be more of a determination, like we're going to get through this. And that's what I'm asking us to do today is just to d- be determined to get through what it is that we're facing. So we're going to look at a story. Uh, Pastor Stevie preached on this uh, at the end, the end of last year. And again, if I say anything that he said, I didn't go back and look at his notes, but if I happen to quote it, it was of the Holy Spirit just so you know that, just to give him credit. Uh, we're gonna look at it from a little bit of a different angle, and again, I, I said this first service, if, if you're going, oh, we're having this again, my question for you is, have you ever went to the restaurant and ordered the same meal? Yeah. Then shut up, like, like <laughs> right, yeah. Got about the same response first service, so I know, Russell always says, you throw a rock into a pack of dogs and the one that yelps is the one you hit. <laughs> I like that, this is a deep thought. So same story, different perspective. We'll spend two weeks in it. An overview here, the Apostle Paul, who was he? He was a young man by the name of Saul, and he was a Pharisee. He was a young, uh, late teenage, religious, 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 very passionate young man. He, He wanted to serve God, but in his own way. He wanted to follow the letter of the law, and he wanted to be the best Pharisee that he could be. Now, if you know anything about the New Testament, Jesus had a biggest problem with the Pharisees because they were just religious. There was no relationship. They were very, very prideful because they did everything according to the letter of the law. And that's who Jesus had the biggest struggle with, with the Pharisees. Well, where the apostle Paul was a Pharisee. That's what he wanted to be. He wanted to be the best and the baddest Pharisee that there was. And, and so, as he's persecuting Christians, as he's giving approval to the death of Christians as a young man, he's on his way to Damascus and he has this God moment where Jesus actually meets him on the road and basically blinds him like a thing of lightning and he falls to the ground and, and Paul, or Saul at that point, he says, who are you, Lord? And he knew who he was because so he called him Lord. And, and Jesus said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now basically knock it off. I have a job for you. So this young man, becomes this follower of Jesus Christ, the very one that he was persecuting people for, he became the biggest proponent of. It's amazing, the switch that happened in his life. Well, when you run with the Pharisees and you run with people who are doing the same thing that you're doing and then you switch gears and go a different direction, they don't like that. So he becomes Paul, he got his name changed and he preaches Jesus for years and years and years. Well, finally he gets arrested for it like in a big way. Like, he, he's in chains, and so he is, uh, he's, he's standing trial, and he's giving, you know, his account of what happened. Like, man, I used to be this. I was killing Christians. I put them in prison. I did all this, and then I met Jesus, and everything changed. And so he's giving his, you know, basically defense to uh, the king Agrippa and to another guy named Festus. Um, anybody else think of a Festus? Yeah, thank you. you just told me how old you were. um <laughs> Or you watch me TV, okay? It was great. Yeah, Festus was great. Uh, Festus always had one eye and uh, a shaw in his mouth. And he spit on his things and caught fish. That's what I remember from Festus. All right? And so Paul is giving his, you know, he's in court and he's talking to King Agrippa and Ganya and Festus and just telling them what happened. And, and they're trying to make a decision on whether or not they should let him go again, Paul has done nothing wrong. He has just stood up for what he believed in. But we know in our world, when you stand up for what you believe in, you will not be looked at in a very kind way most of the time because you go against the the norm of the world. And so, uh, again, he's arrested. Former religious group did this to me. Some of you experienced this. Everything was great until you gave your heart to Jesus and didn't party with him like you used to. And that's when you find out when your real friends are, amen? Your real friends are like that, okay? Now, the closest I've came to... To drinking was communion. <laughs> now most of you know my drinking history. I tasted Budweiser at the brewery at about seven years old, and it was disgusting, and I licked wine the one time just to see what it tasted like. I need counseling, and I probably need... That's my experience with alcohol. Uh, not NyQuil, though. I hammered NyQuil as a high schooler. Um, <laughs> when I had the flu, not just... Pastor Stevie did it for fun. I just did it when I was sick. Back then, it was like 25 proof, man, which was something for me. So that was my alcoholic days. Um, First service didn't get that, so just pass that on. All right, let's get going, or you'll have me here all day long. All right, so here's what he does. He stands before them, and he's given his, like, defense. And and Agrippa and Festus, they look at each other like this man has done nothing that deserves death or imprisonment. And then in verse 32 of chapter 26, Agrippa says to Festus, he goes, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So what Paul did was he went to the highest court and he said, I appeal to Caesar. Like my case needs to go to the Supreme Court of the day, which is Caesar. And once you did that, you couldn't repeal it like you were going to go to Caesar and it would take years to get there. But because he made this decision to, to go to Rome and appeal before Caesar, they're like, dude, you, could, you totally could have been free, but you appealed to Caesar. And now you're like under this verbal contract and you have to go. And so they decide they're going to put him on a ship. And, and that's where we begin our journey today is they're on their way to Rome to stand trial before Caesar. You see, here's what I understand about maturity. The more you mature in your faith, the more that you trust that God's going to see you through your storm. Paul's about to encounter the storm, but Paul also knows that he is going to get to Rome. Like the plans, he's going to get there. Now the detours he's going to take and the detours that he is forced to take, like there's some people make decisions here that affect his life and he has no say in it. He's a prisoner, he's chained up and these people we're going to see make these decisions. He's like, that's a bad idea. And they're like, well, we're doing it anyway. You ever had that happen in your life? When you're going maybe to your buddy, like, this is a bad idea. Like, we're doing it anyway. Most of us could probably have stories. that would be very entertaining. So, it's where we start out. Chapter 27, verse 1 in Acts. It says, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius. You know how you, know how you remember that? His first name was Orange. Yeah. What was his name? Okay. I, have, I was a kid's pastor, so I have ways of making you learn. All right. It's a corny pastor joke. Just get over it, right? But you'll remember his name, all right? Paul and some other prisoner handed over to a man named Julius, who was actually a really nice guy, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adraminium to sail, to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. Important note here, uh, because you might not think, well, why is that such a big deal? Well, in this day, Julius being of the Roman uh, guard, if if his prisoner escaped, he died. So this is a big deal. This isn't like, oh, Julius is just a cool dude. Julius is like, I'm risking my life to let you go see your friends here and they can take care of your needs because the government didn't pay for their clothes and all that. So, so Julius had the trust of Paul. How do we, how do we know that? Because he let him go betting his life on it. So that's why it's a big deal that Julius actually allowed him to go to see his friends, uh, risking his own life in the process. From there, we put out to sea again, and we passed to the leaf Cyprus because the winds were against us. Does that sound familiar from last week? Again, last week's message was that just because you, you, the wind is against you does not mean you're going in the wrong direction, All right, And that's why I thought it was interesting because I was going to preach out of out of the book of Matthew last or this Sunday, and I felt the Holy Spirit change gears on me. I thought it's interesting. It still has to do with water and a ship and wind coming against it. The winds were against us. Now, who's writing this this story? This is Doctor Luke. I told you last week that Luke, uh, there's no known fact that he was with Jesus or ever met Jesus, but Luke traveled with the Apostle Paul. So you have a doctor here, very, very good, very sharp, very articulate in how he spoke and how he wrote. So he's, he's writing these. says, the winds were against us. When we sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in, in, in Lycia. There the centurion found, so they went to a port, and the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and, we, and put us on board. Now this was a nice boat. Alexandrian ships were very well built. Uh, they, they were about 200 feet long. So if you picture this building is 100 feet long. Uh, matter of fact, our new building is 200 feet long. so that's a big ship. Okay, we'll see later. There's 276 people on board. So they went for probably just an average boat to like the love boat, like a cruise boat. Like, this is nice. Like, this, is, this has got upgrades. You know, it's got some cool stuff. This is, a, this is a nice ship, 200 feet long. I love it. Switch ships, and this is like an upgrade here. And then, and then they're going to Italy. Wouldn't that be fun? And then he notes in verse 7, And we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold the course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite of Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty, and we came to a place called the Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast, and that is uh, the, the, the fast that they have um, as a Jewish culture, uh, that would be in late September. All right. So he, he's noting here, Dr. Luke, a man of detail is saying it was, it was, it was close to, to times where you don't sail anymore. Like the, the winds are going to be bad. The, the, the waves are going to be bad. We don't really want to go. So he, he nails the time thing. It's about to lead into what's about to happen. The wind was against us. The wind was against us. You feel like the wind's against you today, Because many of you in this place, I guarantee you, you feel like the wind's against you. You're like, I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to go in the right direction. I'm trying to do what I feel God wants me to do. I'm trying to stick to the plan. I'm reading my Bible. I'm listening to the Bible. I'm trying to do my best, but it just seems like the winds continue to pound me. My encouragement for you today is to not give up, to not give up. What did they do when the wind was dead set? They changed angles just a little bit. They took a little bit of a detour. They still had the destination in mind, but they took a detour. So Yom Kippur happens, okay, which is, uh, again, about the end of September. And I love that Dr. Luke feels like me at times. Or could I say that I feel like Dr. Luke at times, and, and that is when I'm in traffic. Because he makes a note much time is lost. <laughs> Do you sense the frustration in the pen of Dr. Luke as he's writing this out? Because if it didn't bother him, he wouldn't have wrote it. And Dr. Luke was very much like Jesus and I wanna be very much like Jesus and for people to be very much like Jesus, it's okay for us to be bothered when we make slow headway on Eagle Road or even Meridian Road these days and when the wind does not allow us to hold course when people cut you off and you have to make a road change. I'm glad that godly people get bothered too because it gives me a really good excuse to have an attitude sometimes like I have when I'm driving. But I love that, that he writes that down. Dr. Luke, serving God with the best of his ability still feels like much time is lost, like I'm just trying to get to my destination and things keep changing, things that I can't control. Now, here's what I wanna tell you. When you expect delays and detours on the journey, it will help you cope. It will help you cope when you get in your car and you're like, okay, I'm going to go down Eagle road. I'm going to hit ID4 and I know I'm going to get cut off. I know I'm going to hit a red light. I know I'm going to hit traffic. Like I know people crazy are going to cut me off. When you have that mindset, then it helps you a little bit. Maybe just a little bit, but it helps a little bit. Knowing what's going to happen, to be mentally prepared, it helps you. I would say like marriage or having children. I've never had anybody say who got married or who had kids. This is way easier than I thought it was going to be. Man, we did our ceremony, you know, last Tuesday. And I, man, I can't believe how easy this is. It might be easy. Here's where we, we pause and we ask, how many of y'all fought on your, on your honeymoon? Anybody honest enough to raise your hand and say, yeah, we fought on our honeymoon? Okay, there's about seven people. The rest of you are probably lying. Um <laughs> How many you all in denial, right? You might've had a good honeymoon, but I, I have heard of a lot of honeymoons where things didn't go exactly the way that they thought. And you're, usually you're tired from the buildup of the wedding and all that. All right, it should be, a, that's what they call it a honeymoon. Sometimes there ain't no honey, right? It just is, it could be dark as the moon. All right, let's just keep going. Mentally prepared. When's the last time you said, and I wrote this in my Facebook post this week, and I was, this was a serious question. When's the last time you said, well, that was easier than I thought? Not very often do we have things in life that just go easier than we think, right? Like if you've ever fixed something or put something together, you are the stupid things that people buy online and it shows you the picture, it just shows you the picture. Like a new cradle or a new home entertainment system. It just shows you the picture. It don't show you all the pieces laying all over the floor, does it? No, because they want you to buy the thing because anybody in their right mind would look at a billion pieces and say, no, not doing that. They show you the picture, and then you get the big old thing, and it comes in a box this thin. You're like, oh, I'm in trouble. You ever been there? It weighs 15,000 pounds. And you're like, Okay, hey, this is not going to be fun. And then you start doing it, and you're like, why? Why? And that's all you ask is why? why. And then you get frustrated, and you get it halfway done, and 30 quarters done, and you're almost there. And then you realize that one little thing that you had to put in that one little hole and turn it this way holds the whole thing together. <laughs> I am speaking from experience, and you're like, "Okay, directions are very, very important, very important." That was easier than I thought. Doesn't happen that way. Verse ten through twelve, Paul sees something here. As much time has been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous. Paul or uh, Luke says because it was now after the fast. So Paul warned them, "Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo." Into our own lives as well. He has this little insight thing. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, he followed the advice of the pilot and of the ship's owner. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. There was warning signs that they ignored. The Apostle Paul, being a man of the land, not of the sea, being a man who was in chains, right? He was just a prisoner in chains. Who is this guy telling us that we shouldn't sail? Who is Paul telling the ship's owner, the captain, the crew, guys, this is a bad idea. I don't think we should do this. The Apostle Paul knew something they didn't know. The Apostle Paul felt something that they didn't. And so here you got this guy who's in chains. just preaching the gospel and knows nothing about the ocean, really. And he's saying, we shouldn't do this. This is a bad idea. You ever tell somebody that? When you see what they can't see? Is this a bad idea? You see, the sailors had sight. They were looking at the weather. But Paul had insight. And there's a difference between sight and insight. There's a difference between what you see physically and what you see with your spirit, what you see in your heart. And this is why why your prayer time is so important. And when I say prayer time, Paul said the right thing, pray continually. Like I personally, I try to talk to God all throughout the day. I don't ever hang up on him. Okay, Lord, amen, click. Okay, I'll talk to you tonight when I need you. I try to keep the line open. I like, okay, love you. I'm not saying bye. I just keep the phone open. Because talking to God throughout the day is I think what we should do. I think that's really what prayer is. And so he had this insight that they didn't have. Sight is what you see what life looks like right now. And maybe it's hard for some of you. And and all you can see is the storm. All you can see is what bad is happening, but God has a bigger plan than what you see. And that's why it's so important that you listen to me today is that, that it will help you through the times that all you have is your physical sight to say, all I see is a train wreck. All I see is a mess. All I see is disaster. And God says, no, you're, you're, you're seeing here and you're seeing right, it is a mess. But God sees far beyond that. And as you grow and mature in your faith in Jesus Christ, you're like, okay, hey, he got me, for, got me through it before, he's gonna get me through it again, amen? But the Holy Spirit will give you insight into situations okay, that on the physical level can't be seen. Big decisions in marriage, all right? Let's talk about your marriage for a moment. Some of you might be thinking, and just so you know, nobody slipped me a note or an email that said, can you please talk to my spouse about this? Or can you just throw it in, you know, throw it in your message? You know, you give a thousand bucks to the building project. I might say anything in my message if you pay me. If, all right. Just kidding. I can't be bought. But the building project needs money. All right. But I may take I may take some hints like uh, but, but that's not what happens. I've had people actually accuse me of that. You knew. you know what I was going through and you talked about it where do you think I get my preaching material? Okay. It's on your behavior. We can have fun with this, huh? Most of the time it's my own behavior. And so in your marriage, if if there's a big decision to be made and, and you should talk to your spouse about big decisions. Now I'm not talking about, do I buy a Snickers or a Milky Way? Should I call my spouse? That's controlling. If you're, if they, that's bad. All right. Come and talk to me. Um, I'll send you to counseling if that's the case. All right. But I'm talking on a big purchase that affects you both. You both need to be in agreement on it. That's right. You can't have one going, yeah, let's do it. And the other one going, no, wait, 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 hold on. And, and if, you, if you go ahead and buy something like that, your marriage will be in trouble. Right. All right. So it's got to be a both and thing. And both pray about it. Like, hey, is this the right decision to make? All right. Because those decisions are a big deal. Pray about those things. But I will tell you this procrastination. Will cost you, but impatience will also cost you. It's like this balance. I procrastinate as I wait and wait and wait and wait, and then I miss the boat. Impatience is, I gotta get on the boat right now. And they're like, whoa, wrong boat. So you gotta find a balance between procrastination and impatience. So you have here, you have experienced sailors, and you got the preacher man. This guy's just a preacher, right? He's just a preacher. I can imagine as the sailors are talking and they're getting their stuff ready and Paul's over in chains and he's probably not doing much and the sailors are going, dude, this guy, this guy guy said we shouldn't sail. What does he know? He's a man of the land. He's just a preacher. What does he know? Who is he telling us, experienced, hardened sailors, that we shouldn't go on this journey? Y'all saw that, right? Good. Good. I was just making it obvious because I could have went, like, sneaky. Yeah. You ever heard somebody open something in church and they open it really slow? It's like, it is the worst. I'm like, just do it. Right, just do it. Just do it. Or the phone's ringing and they're trying to pretend like it's not and everybody's going around. Yeah. That was just an aside. That was not in the message. But like I said, we're just talking today. We're just friends. We're just, we're just friends. Things happen. All right. It's kind of funny when you try to hide the obvious sometimes. I'm like, just, just deal with it, right? So, Paul here is right. He's right, but he's going to get overridden. You ever been right, but you were overrode? Yeah. Like, you were right, and you're like, this is not going to be, and they just do it anyway. And then you have that, you know, later on, you're like, I told you so. Yeah, but Paul's going to have that moment. And so everything's going well at this point. They decide to, hey, let's sail out of this. And my studies, um, w- what I've come to understand was the place that they were at here had no nightlife. Like this, this port, when it says it wasn't good to winter in, and the majority decided to keep sailing from my studies. It said physically, this town that they were in right now didn't have nightclubs and you had a bunch of sailors who wanted a drink because they were not going to be sailing for months. So they wanted something to do. And they went out and they looked around and it's like a nice, quiet Mayberry. and They're like, nope, we want New Orleans. All right. And so they, they have this majority vote and the majority says, let's sail on. And I will tell you, the majority doesn't always mean it's the right direction. I could preach too, right? You can have a majority of Americans go, let's vote this way and have it go completely opposite direction of the word of God. Now, I believe that there are a lot more people that believe the, the ways of the word of God in America than, the, than some people would like you to think, Christ. right? We do want righteousness and we do want that, but that's a whole different message. Verse 13, I've thought about preaching this before as a marriage lesson. It says this, it says, when a gentle south wind began to blow. Okay, get this. They're all like, we're sailing. And Paul's like, bad idea. And they're like, we're doing it anyway. And he's in change. He, he really can't do anything. And I think as they probably set sail, and it says a gentle south wind began to blow. And they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor, pulled the wanker up, and they sailed along the shore of Crete. You ever have those moments of verse 13? Like you feel really good about something, and you do, you're like, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And you get what you think you wanted. And I thought about, you know, it, this could apply to a lot of marriages that, that it's a south wind. It's like, this is great. We saw that opportunity. We weighed anchor and we sailed along the shore of Crete. And all of a sudden, something happens. See, I like my version a little better than what's up on the screen. My, my NIV doesn't, you can't find it online. That's because mine's holy. Um, <laughs> mine's old, actually. That's why this is like a 1980s NIV. They've changed it just a little bit. But I love how it, it says a gentle south woman get what they thought they obtained. You ever thought you got what you wanted? And then verse, verse 14 happens. You don't know what verse 14 says. It's a hurricane, baby. It's like, we get this gentle wind, okay? And, and, and you know, it's like, well, how long have you guys been married? Oh, two weeks. When'd you meet? Three weeks ago. You're like, oh, that's verse 13, marriage right there, man, you wait, verse 14, is coming, all right, a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they'd obtain it with us, they wait anchor, and they still long, everything is great, until verse 14, and I think the sailors were probably like, see, Paul, everything's cool, like, we're going, everything's good, it's calm, it's sunny, everything is fine, and this is what an emotional decision maker is like, they make this decision out of emotion going, this is exactly what I want. And everybody around is going, this isn't exactly what you want. Like, you, because you're emotionally minded, you're not thinking about what could happen. But let me tell you, Paul's gonna make it to Rome regardless. Regardless of the detour that is about to happen. I'm sure Paul and Dr. Luke had some private discussions here going, this is a bad idea. I tried telling them, they did listen. This isn't gonna turn out well. They had this feeling inside. This is not going to turn out well. So the question here is, have you ever seen that in a relationship, a job, or a decision, or a purchase? Where you saw somebody making a decision, and you're just like, this is not going to turn out well. you ever seen that? Yeah. Are you a parent of teenagers? Yeah. <laughs> That'll happen too, probably, in those things. Teenagers, make it opposite of what I just said. Right? See, why is counsel so important? Because they can see what you don't. You need somebody in your life that you can talk to. That you have a big decision, you're like, I just need to talk to somebody about this. I think this is the right direction, but I'm not positive. I just need to bounce it off somebody. You know, for me, a lot of my big decisions, I'll just call my dad or talk to my dad and say, hey, what do you think about this? Um, you know, again, at 52, I'm still calling my dad. Dad, thanks for being there. He's online probably right now. To, to be able to see it from a different perspective. Why? Because I want to make good decisions. And, and I don't want to make good decisions just by myself because I'm going to miss something. I have blind spots. I want to see an outside perspective of what do you see? Is there goods, bads, what's the pros, what's the cons? I think it's just a wise thing to do. Wise counsel is very important. Life groups, okay, do that in life groups. You can say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you guys think? I've had people in this church before talk about businesses in CUNA. Hey, I want to start this type of business in CUNA. And I'm like, it won't work. It won't work. Why? Because I know know the town. Like what, what you're wanting to do isn't a bad idea, but it won't work here. Because I know the town. I can see it. And and I've had people, you know, just, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And you're like, well, I told you. I I hate to say I told you. I don't. I love to say I told you so. (laughs) That's a total lie. I love to say it. Told you so, right? Told you so. It always breaks my heart, right? Because people lose a lot of money. They they go into a venture. We had um, one, somebody one time wanted to start a homeless ministry. (laughs) I'm like, it's a great idea, but it's CUNA. Like, we don't have a homeless population here, necessarily. I mean, there's, there's a few, but you don't see them on the street. Great idea, wrong location. Okay, so there's other types of ministries that you can have. Again, it's, it's a heart thing, right? Uh, and so, so Paul, again, sees this as a bad decision, because if they stayed where they were at, they would just go through the winter, and he would wind up in Rome. Right, Same destination because God's going to get him here. And that's why I tell you, that's why it's so important for us to read the story that God is going to get you to your destination if you don't give up. You have some choice in this, right? You have some choice in this. Uh, God's going to get him there, but there's going to be a pretty massive detour. So learn to take the time to think it through. You have a major decision, just think it through. Verse 14, let's move on. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, and so it gave way, and we were driven along. Now Paul's going, I told you so, right? Or he's, he's thinking it anyway. As we passed by the lee of a small island called Quata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so now it's bouncing around. And when the men hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship to prevent, uh, or I'm sorry, the ship itself to hold it together. So they got the lifeboat up on the boat, and they start passing big ropes under the front of the bow, and then they would tie them off, to tie the ship up like you would a present. Because when you see a storm that bad that the sailors begin to put ropes under the ship, that that means you're in trouble. Like if you're on a flight and the stewardesses start freaking out, you better be right with Jesus, okay? (laughs) better right Jesus. And these guys are freaking out because they know this is bad. These are seasoned maritime people. They understand storms. They understand what the ship can take. And they're passing ropes going, we got to tie this thing off because this is looking really, really, really bad. The apostle Paul is probably not comfortable either. He's probably under the deck in a little brig cell and he's probably sick and they're all going to get sick. We'll see because it gets worse and it gets worse. And they were driven along. All right. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sardis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Verse 18, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we had finally given up all hope of being saved. And You might feel like that today. You might feel like you're doing the best you can to go in the right direction, but you haven't seen the stars or the moon or the sun for days. And life is dark and life is hard and life isn't fun. And notice here that Dr. Luke writes, we finally gave up hope of being saved. He didn't say the ship owner, the the captain, the, the crew. He said we did. And so I love how Dr. Luke gives you insight into his heart and his thinking here, thinking we were supposed to make it to Rome and, and we've given up all hope. And it's gotten so bad that we're going to sink and we're going to die. This is it. We're going to die at sea and it's, and it's going to be over. But I will tell you that it's never over unless God says it's over. Okay? And, and the Apostle Paul is going to rise up here. Okay? And here's what they did. No, they were about, and I think I don't think I showed this at first service. They end up about 500 miles from their destination. That's how far away the wind blew. Okay, if it's from about here to Sacramento is about 500 miles. That's a long ways to be off course. That is a long detour. Why were you late to work? I had to go to Sacramento, and then up to Oregon. All right, that's a long detour. 500 miles is a long ways to be from the destination. Again, the storm came hard and fast, and life is like this sometimes. My hope is that you will leave this place today with some hope to know that life is dark right now. For some of you, some, you've been in some severe storms and, you, and you're like, I just don't see it. I don't see an end to it, but God sees what you don't. That's the important thing that you realize that, that God, he doesn't just worry about salvation. Okay. Heaven isn't just the result of you giving your life to Christ. It's an everyday deal. He's with you every day, every moment, every minute, every second through the storm, through the hard stuff, he's going to get you through it. Right? Again, we like the plans, but we don't like the stuff in between. We don't like the hard stuff. We don't like the things that we don't want to go through. I just want it to be easy, and that's not the promise that God made. So it gets so bad in this storm that they begin to throw the cargo overboard. What was the cargo? The cargo was the stuff that people paid the shipping company to haul to a destination to sell. So now they start throwing other people's stuff overboard to lighten the ship so it doesn't sink. They're throwing, isn't it easy to throw somebody else's stuff overboard? <laughs> all right. And then it goes on to say, and then they threw the ship's tackle overboard. Now the ship's owner was on the ship because they had talked about it. He was in that port and they're like, no, we're going to do it. Now he's throwing his stuff over, stuff that cost him heavy, stuff stuff that they needed to make the ship work. Now they're throwing that stuff over. So they started with other people's stuff and now they're throwing their stuff and now they're passing ropes and they're going, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. This is going to be it. All right. Uh, thanks for coming. Come back next week. Yeah, I thought we'd (laughs) What if I just exited and just left you all just sitting here going, what happened? I should do that sometime, but then I just let it out. Um, That would be an interesting thing, right? I have to wait for a clapping for an encore. (laughs) Please tell us that. Please tell us more. Please tell us more. (laughs) You're all going to die now. (laughs) I heard this uh, pastor say this. I don't even know who said it. Just pastor, I was listening. He said, "What, what gets rushed often gets ruined. I love that. That's a whole sermon in itself. What gets rushed often gets ruined. And they were in a rush to get to a location. And they they set sail in a time that they shouldn't have set sail in. And Paul, again, he warned them. um, And and it didn't happen. So the rest of the story. Okay, the rest of the story. Verse 21. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them. And he said, in Hebrew, man, I told you so. (laughs) He got up and he said, man... You should have taken my advice not to sow from Crete. Then you would not have, I'm sorry, you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. And then he turned around and walked into his room. No, that's not what he did. I love it. Because Paul now, is is, he's got a voice, okay? He's got a voice. He's got a voice. He he might still be in chains, and maybe at this point they unchained him, I don't know. but, But his chains, okay, became something that actually set other people free. Because why was he in change? The gospel. He was in chains because of Jesus. So what put him in change actually was becoming, was going to become a freedom. And he has this point and this moment and this opportunity to rise up above what everybody else is thinking and, and not just say, hey, I told you so. There's this leader that comes out in him, all right? And another point I wanna make is that, remember that Luke and Paul are suffering the results of someone else's bad decision. And this might mean something to you or to some of you today, that, that you're in a position that Paul was in, not of your own doing, that, that you're in a storm. You're in something because somebody else made a bad choice. It had nothing to do with you, but you have received the repercussions of it. And, and that's a hard thing to be in. It's a hard thing to be in a place when you didn't cause it, but you have to deal with it. How do you, how do you work through that? Well, depending on your situation, number one, you got to be graceful, forgiving, but you also be, you got to show some tough love sometimes, right? A giving, a forgiveness does not mean you have to trust. A lot of people think that, well, I need to forgive them. Does that mean you need to forget? Did it happen? No, you can forgive without trusting. Okay? If there's abuse, you can forgive the act and not trust the person. Okay, and this maybe this is what we hope because some people get this confused. Like if there's you know if there's again if there's abuse, it doesn't mean you subject the person to abuse again. Well, I'm supposed to forgive. No, you forgive the act, but you don't have to trust. And so some of you need to hear that today that it's okay to put boundaries up around your life, a boundaries up in the life of your kids or somebody from somebody who could hurt them again. So again, you forgive because it helps you get free. Paul had to do that here. He, he didn't write them. He just said what he needed to say, and I think it felt good. You all should have listened to my advice. Okay, All of a sudden now, oh, land, land guy Paul, preacher Paul, all of a sudden he has a voice because these sailors are realizing, you know what? He did tell us this was going to happen, and all of a sudden he's got their attention. He's got their ears, and, and, it, and the captain is probably even going, dude, he was right. Maybe we should listen to this guy this crazy guy who seems to have a good attitude in all these hard situations. And so he says what he needs to say. I told you so, but he didn't leave it at that. And again, this is where he becomes the leader. He didn't become the captain of the ship, but he became the leader that day, that moment. And could it be that you are facing something in your life right now that you're just on a low level of leadership, but something is happening and God is working in you not to tell the company what they should do and how they should do it, but in a moment of crisis, so you can be the one to stand up and say, you know what, I got an idea, or I got a way that we can get through this. Maybe we can do this. See, leadership, again, is not a title. It's not a title, it's influence. John Maxwell has taught that for years. It's influence, you're influencing people. And Paul, again, in his chains, becomes the leader of this whole crew, the leader of the ship, because you'll find as we navigate this story in the next couple weeks, they start listening to him. They start doing what he says to do. He gives advice. They're like, okay, yes, sir, we'll do it. Why? Because what he said to come to pass was beginning to come to pass. God was using this guy, even in the midst of a hard situation, in a situation technically they should not have been in. They should have listened. The Holy Spirit said, this is bad. And Paul's like, this is bad. And they're like, we're doing it anyway. But through this, God is still going to use it. So here's what he says, and I love this, and we'll end with this. He says, but now, okay, you, you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Keep up your courage, man. He's like, rise, rise up above this storm. He goes, last night, okay? Actually, I got ahead of myself. He says, because not one of you will be lost. That's important. Take up the courage that not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Isn't that beautiful? That God could have said, Paul, you're going to be the only one that lives through this. But God gave the lives of 276 or 275 other people because Paul did what he did. God spared them. Your life impacts other people because of what you do and how you live and the courage that you have. We talked about this a couple weeks back, that your courage actually inspires other people to keep going that you have more influence than you think you have. You might go home after a day and go, man, nobody listened to me, did it. but somebody did. Somebody watched you. Somebody watched your life and says, I'm gonna make it because they're gonna make it. I may not believe it, but I'm gonna believe it because they believe it. You ever been that for somebody? Like, they believe this so much, I think I'm gonna believe it. I'm struggling here, but I believe what they said. That's why I tell you, whether you believe in heaven or hell or not, I want you to believe in hell because I believe in hell. Amen? Amen? I mean, it's real, I do study the Bible more than you, so I probably know. That shouldn't be, that should be a challenge. Don't you think your pastor should read the Bible more than you? Yeah, I think so. If not, you should be up here preaching, right? Plus, I have the time during the day. You have to work a job. You're doing other stuff, all right? I get to read my Bible. Isn't that weird? You get paid to read the Bible? No, I get prayed to pastor sheep. and clean up after them, after they leave sometimes. Um, actually, it's usually your little sheep that make the mess in the bathrooms, but we'll move on. I was a janitor, so I just do it, all right? Paul's like, I told you so, <laughs> but man, rise up, rise up. And this opportunity for other people's disobedience became the opportunity for Paul to rise to leadership. And that may be you and your company, it may be you in your marriage, it may be you in a situation that you're in, that you get to be the one, because of the circumstance, you get to rise up to the top. You get to to be put into this position just as David when he went to to give his brothers food, man. He was just delivering bread and cheese. And Goliath was there. And and Goliath was needed to bring the David out in him. He was already David, but there was something in him that, that needed to prove to the nation of Israel that there was a God in heaven. And God could work through little kids if he wanted to. Or teenage boys anyway. So you have to have Goliath in your life for David to come out in you. And I believe that David lives in every single one of you guys. David lives in you. The spirit of David that wants to rise up and, and, and rise up to the challenge, rise up to something bigger. And how did David go after Goliath? That he's like, I'm coming at you because I'm good with a sling? Is that what he said? No, no. he'd been practicing with a sling. He says, I come, in you, I come against you in the name of the Lord our God. He's like, I know whose name is gonna, gonna take you out. It's not gonna necessarily be the rock. I mean, he did his work on the front end, but he came at Goliath in the name of Jesus. And that's how you need to face the battles that you're facing. So maybe the storm you're facing is going to give you an opportunity to, again, rise up above it all and inspire uh, hope in other people. So this is what he did. He said, okay, an angel came and talked to me last night. Not one of us is going to die. All right. We're all going to live. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. He's like, we're going to get in a shipwreck." Okay, we're all going to live, but the ship's going to get destroyed. We'll get into the shipwreck next week because it's kind of a crazy story. We must run aground on some island. There's always a reason for why God allows things to happen in your life. And I don't claim that I understand why God allows everything to happen in your life. I don't. But what I do know is that God is with you through those times. And what I don't want to do is try to spend my life figuring out why God allowed it to happen. I can question him, but I can question him so much that it's, it just ruins me. I have to be able to say, okay, here's how it is. God, I don't get it, but I know you're good. I know you promise that you have a plan for me. You have a plan. And God, as long as I do my part and I keep going forward and I keep walking, I'm going to fail. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to sin. I'm going to fall. I'm going to, I'm going to give in the temptation. I'm going to get forgiven. I'm going to get up. I'm going to keep going. See, God is not expecting perfection from you. He's expecting effort. And effort means I need to get forgiveness one more time. And God's not up going, that's the 16th time you did that in two days. Yeah, God doesn't keep track. You know when you ask for forgiveness, God resets the scoreboard. Isn't that cool? He just resets the scoreboard. It's like when an old guy tries to play video games with his kid. You just keep hitting the reset button because they will always win you. Just the way it works. But God has a plan. He's got a plan for you, and it's a good plan. Stick to the plan. Keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And be the person that inspires other people in their storm to say, you know what, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. And if you have to tell your kid, I told you so, go ahead, you're the parent, you can say that. <laughs> like, you ride your bike without a helmet, you might bonk your head. Well, you say they bonk their head, what do you say? Told you so. Told you so. <laughs> told you so. All right. I read this somewhere, I thought it was good. I'll close with this. Skilled sailors aren't developed in calm waters. And skilled sailors are not developed in calm waters. It's easy to, to sail when water is calm. So if you want to be a calm water sailor, just, you know, set sail when everything's beautiful when everything's great, when everything's easy, but that's not what makes skill. You are what you are because of the stuff that you've gone through and you made it. So my encouragement to you today is keep going guys. Keep going. I think that was just what I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to tell you, just keep going. You're, you're going to be all right. It, you're going to weather the storm. you get through God is not going to fail you. God's not going to fail you. Even in these detours, even somebody else's decision to get you to a certain place. You know what? where Paul ends up, guys? You know where he ends up? Rome. Rome. Guess what? He gets to preach to Caesar. He gets to preach to Caesar. Had he never gotten jailed, he probably would have never had Caesar as an audience. You see how God works it all out? God is working out your story, stuff that you're like, no, I don't want to do this. God's like, no, I got a plan. Stick to the plan. Just keep serving me. Get, you're in a detour right now. Well, the detour is going to eventually end up to your destination. It's okay. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Amen. Amen. All right. If you close your eyes with me just for a moment, I to have to ask you again. If if you know where you're going when you die, it's so important to me that you leave this place having a clear understanding of heaven and hell, and how do you how you get to each place? There's a heaven. There's a hell. We're, we're going to die. We know that. I mean that's you can't stop that. There is a day of our death. And my, my job, Pastor Stevie's job, our staff's job is to prepare you for that moment, to prepare you to meet your maker, to meet Jesus. And I will tell you, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, the moment you take your last breath on earth is the first breath in heaven, that you will realize how worth it it was to serve him, that there is nothing to be afraid of because your sins are wiped away. You're forgiven. There is no judgment for you. There is no standing before God and giving an account of, of your life when you are right with God, when you're saved, when you've accepted Jesus. That's what it says. You're forgiven. You're done. It's done. Your heaven's your home. But if you've never made that decision before, if you've never consciously said, Jesus, I, I need to give you my life, you're not a Christian just because you come to church. You're not a Christian just because your parents are or your family was. You're a Christian because you made a decision one day to accept Jesus as your savior. And I'm asking you, if you haven't made that decision, to do that today. Because you're not guaranteed your next breath. So if you're here today and you want forgiveness, and Jesus forgives you of whatever sins you've committed, there's nothing that you've done that God's not aware of. Matter of fact, the more in sin you're in, the more he probably wants to say, hey, just just get this right. If you need Jesus in your life never asked him to be your savior and you want to. I'm gonna ask you to be bold and brave. Just lift your hand up where I can see it. I'm not gonna embarrass you, call you out, but I wanna pray with you. Anybody in this place this morning that says "My, I need to get my life right with God? Okay, all right. I don't see any hands. Okay, so, so look up at me. You promised me you're ready to go. You promised me. Okay, and if, if not and you missed it, on the drive home, ask Jesus to be your savior. You guys, this morning when I was driving here, Helen, I was like, if this is my last sermon, what would I preach? Like, if this was my last sermon, driving here knowing this is the last time, mean God's gonna take me home. And I'm not prophesying here, but if I die after church, you'll know everything else I said is gonna come true. Uh, and, I, and I thought, well, what would I say? If this was my last message, It's, it's, this is how it would end. It would be the same message with that ending of be right with Jesus, be right with Jesus, be right with Jesus. Because I don't want one of us in this place to just say, you know what? Maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. We need to be right with God. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and I hope that that everybody is in this place. That's my heart. Now, if you're online and you're like, my hands up, you didn't see it. (laughs) I'm good, but I can't see through the lens. All right. Ask Jesus to be your savior. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Come into your life and be your savior. It's that simple. It's that simple. Are you glad God made it easy? I yes. mean, it's harder to get a marriage license than it is to get heaven. I mean, that's crazy, right? Amen, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for those um, in this place. And I know I probably could have got a lot of hands if, if the question was asked, are you going through a storm? Does it seem dark? And, and you know right now, and the, the, the hand of the heart is up saying, my life is dark now. I haven't seen the sun and the moon and the stars for weeks, it seems. All I see is wind and waves. Father, you know who those people are, and I pray as their pastor now, not just as their friend, but as their pastor, that you would touch them right now in Jesus' name and give them strength and hope to continue, Lord, to to sail in the direction that you want them and to understand that detours happen, but the destiny is the same. And I thank you so much for that, that you are in charge of the destiny. Help us just to continue to go forward in you. Love you and thank you so much for your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.